my cousin Batman might as well be the name of the entire first season. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Kim. And I'm Xander, and you are listening to Geek Prime. Batwoman's new Ruby Roseless season two premiered in January, and now that we're three episodes in, we've gotten a bit more of a look at the new Batwoman and how the season is coming together with Javicia Leslie in the title role. There will be so many spoilers right off the bat, so please be warned if you have not seen uh, the first three episodes yet. All right, so let's start with a little bit of a recap. In episode one, it follows up on the on last year's finale where Kate went to National City to talk to Kara Danvers about destroying the kryptonite shard that she keeps in Wayne Tower. Uh, but her plane goes down, uh, apparently meant to look like Sophia's doing, and Kate's presumed dead. Uh, Ryan Wilder, who is a woman living out of her van, finds the Batsuit among the wreckage and starts wearing it. And this obviously causes issues with Luke and Mary initially, but an understanding is eventually reached tentatively. And in another big twist, Jacob Kane finds out that Kate is Batwoman after trying to absolutely murderize her last season. Uh, and also after Kate's now presumed death. So this guy's down two daughters. Yeah. So on to episode two, Alice is back, yay! Uh, she kidnaps Julia, hoping to coerce her into seeking revenge on Sophia for Kate's death. Julia refuses, and Alice stabs her, as Alice does. Um, meanwhile, Ryan tries to stop a robbery, but the crows arrive, the criminals escape, and she gets hauled in as a suspect. Um, so while she's being interrogated by Sophie, who clearly does not like Ryan, uh, Ryan accuses the crows of going easy on Alice, leading Sophie to slip about Jacob's sympathies towards Alice. And that leads Ryan to put together some of the pieces about Alice's real identity because she's smart. Um, and then uh, the citizens of Gotham know that Batwoman's been MIA and they miss her. Uh, so they hold a pro Batwoman rally. Uh, Luke. It is Luke, and he is convinced that Alice will target the rally, which she does, uh, with bats, of all things. Um, so Ryan slash Batwoman um, confronts Alice, uh, finds out about this transmitter, which will draw the bats away. So she um, uses the transmitter um, in a bus and sort of drives that bus away, um, and the bats all follow her. Um, Meanwhile, Alice presents Mary with a bag of blood containing Desert Rose. So if you remember from season one, that's the same antidote coursing through Mary's veins. Uh, when Alice tried to murder both Mary and Mary's mother and succeeded in murdering Mary's mother, but Mary and survived. And it's the weird magical cure-all thing. Yes. Um, and they create a synthetic serum of Desert Rose. Um, and then Ryan finally successfully convinces Luke and Mary at the end of the episode that she is worthy of wearing the bat suit full time. And so in this latest episode, we get a, a very interesting Arrowverse look at Victor Zaz, who is, I think, one of the more intriguing uh, Batman kind of tier two or tier three villains. But he's, he's very intriguing. I thought that uh, that Gotham did a really good job with him. And I think uh, he's off to, I, I think the interpretation in, in Batwoman now is, is really interesting. Uh, but we got to look at him, his murder streak. 
we also got to finally see Sophia and her mysterious island of Koriana. Um, and we find out that Zaz is murdering people connected to the Desert Rose serum and anything regarding Sophia's domain because Alice took the Desert Rose without permission, let's say. Uh, and we find out that uh, that Sophia potentially did not kill Kate. There's a lot of story threads in this episode. <laughs> Kate might even still be alive because Sophia presents Alice with Kate's necklace. So was Kate even on the plane? Uh, so Sophia is being framed, allegedly, by someone. And now Alice and Sophie both know it. Uh, Jacob finds a picture of a painting by Jack Napier on Kate's phone for a little memory jog. He's the mob enforcer turned Joker in many Batman continuities, including the 1989 movie. He's played by Jack Nicholson. He's the one that kills Batman's parents, becomes the Joker. So clearly plans for him. And they hint more at the black mask operating in Gotham. And the Joker thing is interesting because they hinted at the end of season one that Batman killed the Joker five years ago. And that led to his disappearance a year later. So I don't know if they're making Jack Napier the Joker or if he's going to be a mob enforcer or, if, you know, who knows. But big question. What do we think of season two so far? Well, regardless of what I think, that woman was actually renewed for a third season. So. Yes, the big news that came out. Yeah, so um, what I think doesn't matter. But what I actually do think though, um, is that the show overall is not great. I'm sorry. Um, I just have to say that. It's not Javicia Leslie's fault at all. Um, I, I need to say that as well. Um, later on in the podcast, we'll talk about critical reception of season one and what we thought about season one after watching all 22 episodes ourselves. Um, but 20. 20? Yes. Oh, God, it felt like 22. Well, no, it was 20. Okay, well, 20 episodes, if you would like to um, uh, take on that challenge yourself. <laughs> um, but as, as someone who's really active when it comes to working towards social change, I feel Ryan Wilder a lot, actually. Um, she's an ex-con who was wrongfully charged with a crime. She's just looking for a job, a home, and someone to take a chance on her. And she, she sees injustice and inequality clear as day. She's not afraid to call it out. Look, I hear what she's saying, and I'm glad that her story and her message are being told through the vehicle of a superhero show. I also do think that representation matters, and I think it's important that she's black and a lesbian. I think that should not ever be understated um, when when talking about season two of this show. Um, but is that, you know, given all of that, all of that that I love, um, is it executed well? No, not at all. I not at all. The dialogue is weak. The writing is weak. Um, it's just not capturing my attention like some of the other CW, DC superhero shows. So for the record, I'm a huge fan of The Flash. I was a huge fan of the earlier seasons of Arrow, and I really like Legends of Tomorrow. And I just don't think that, I, I mean, I find myself trying so hard to struggle to get through episodes of Batwoman. It can be tough. It, and and I think one thing is that there it feels too siloed in in kind of the Batcave and 
the crow's headquarters almost i like those are the things when i think of the show that come to mind it's not like a necessarily like a living breathing thing it's it's more it's more siloed in interactions between these two these two people in this place or these people in this place and there's a lot of story but not a lot of um of building of the universe you know and uh Something that we'll get to later is I, th- I think part of the problem is is frankly the villains, uh, particularly the the villain of the week villains rather than the overarching villains. But we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, I think it I think it suffers from from some of that. It it, it maybe was trying to not be formulaic with Arrow and the Flash, but it then like kind of overcorrected too far. Maybe yeah, I agree. I mean, with season two, I feel like I feel like season one had its enjoyable parts. And one of the things that I think was a stark change in the first two episodes of season two from season one was Mary. Love her. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow the writing for her changed. And I understand that she was upset, but she was a lot more upset at the beginning of season two than she was. Or she's upset in a different way, I guess, in the writing in the beginning of season two than she was right after her mom died. She still had that, like, I mean, like, it, it felt a, a little bit like, um, like almost a waste of Nicole Kang's acting. Mm-hmm. And like, like I said, like, I, we've seen Mary dealing with severe trauma before and, and losing someone close to her before. So we know that Nicole Kang can play that as, as grieving, but also still be like that like Mary, you know, like she's very much like the, the spark of the show. She's the, um, she's, you know, the, the funny man to Ruby Rose's straight man kind of, uh, like in their little Abbott and Costello routine a bit. And it, it, it's picking back up in episode three, but I just, it felt so, such a departure in the beginning of season two. Um, and again, because for reasons that I, I feel like we've seen very different reactions from Mary for similar events in the past. Um, one thing I did think was like an interesting device was Kate writing to Bruce in season one and then Ryan picking up and writing to Kate in season two. I think it's an interesting device. I think it serves the, it's one of the few things that I think serves the, the story well moves things along and also gives us like the little thought bubbles that you would see in comic books. That's what it feels like. And it feels well executed as a thought bubble. Unfortunately, there's a lot of other stuff around it that kind of isn't executed. Great. As you pointed out. Yeah. The Island, yes. the Island and Sophia are the most confusing things to me. Uh, like it felt in season one and it kind of still does in season two, like they were going for a Deathstroke, Lian Yu, or Ra's al Ghul, Nanda Parbat yes, kind of yes. thing, and and it was just confusing because having never seen the island or Sophia until season three of episode two, I honestly all through season one kept forgetting up that whole storyline and had to constantly go back and refresh my memory on why why I had to care about it. And who it was, and it just it was just an extra thing that I didn't have any kind of visual for that I had to keep in my head that was just like I said, just very confusing. Yeah. Like there wasn't like any kind of like flashbacks to Lian Yu, like which 
Arrow did amazingly in its first five seasons. And 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 even like even not a pair about and Ra's al Ghul, like Ra's al Ghul is mentioned, but then you see him relatively quickly, like to have a a character that's unfamiliar to people and only reference it like you can reference Batman and the Joker and never see them. And people have it fixed in their head. They know who Batman is. They know who the Joker is. Those are very you know, very well known, even if it was a slightly less known character, like even if they mentioned like Dick Grayson, I feel like it would be something that they would that people would be able to like fix in their heads and and be able to recall very quickly. But Safai and Coriana just it was so, so confused. I kept forgetting. Was it Kate that was on the island? Was it Alice? How did they get there? Like what what is going on? So here, I mean, if you read the comics and I know you're going to get into the the original comics that Batwoman is based on. But like if you've read the comics, I thought this was just a really clunky way to bring in later in the game when they should have brought it in early like they did with Arrow. Um, this like. Sophia and the island and because it, it kind of does mirror arrow and and, and yeah and uh oliver's experience they it's almost like they forgot about it and then they like realized it halfway through season one they're like oh we have to crap we have to write yeah in this island because that is part of kate's origin story so if you are familiar with the batwoman comics and i know you're going to talk about the batwoman comics a little later um kate uh, gets expelled from military school for her uh, relationship with Sophie and um, spends this quote-unquote lost year on the island of Coriana where she strikes up a romance with Sophia. Um, and I do not quite have the greatest memory um, to to sort of recount everything that exactly happened on the island, but there's something involving um, Kate getting infected um, after stumbling on a rock or, or something to that effect. And then she in turn infects like the wildlife on the, on the island and the villagers are all angry. Um, and instead of, um, instead of outing Kate, um, for being the one that's poisoning the wildlife on the island. Um, Sophia um, has this sort of history with this warlord or something um, that she wanted to get rid of eventually anyway, blames it on him, basically, and then he gets killed. Um, or, I guess, has to pay for... See, that's a whole like story that was in, I guess, an episode that could have been an episode like I, I yeah that's a lot to remember it's a lot to keep in my head while we're going through the show that already has a lot to remember that that there's no there's no why I should really deeply care about that story yeah. you know yeah but like also I don't I don't know what they're going for here because it's it's not part of Kate's origin story I don't think um it's part of Alice's and so I am just confused as to how they're going to sort of thread those two things together. Alice, yeah, as far as I know, has nothing to do with Sophia or Coriana yeah. or even knows about it at all. So, um, well, she clearly knew about it because she got the Desert Rose in in the, in season one in the CW. Oh, in CW, yeah, yeah. Oh, but not well, in the comics. no, in the comics, yeah, in the comics. Um, it I I I do vaguely remember that Sophia is from. I think Batwoman Rebirth, but I, I mean, I, I'm again, she's a very, very much less familiar 
it would be like it would be like featuring it would be like telling people a story about the Batman villain grotesque and expecting people to remember about grotesque and like that storyline without ever showing it and then making it like a big plot point. It was just very confusing. I agree. Um, but I, I mean, not to not to get off on a tangent of of things we didn't like about the show. I, I think, honestly, Tommy Elliott, having him in there was a lot of fun. Hush is one of my and frankly, everyone else's Mine favorite too. Batman story. Yeah, everyone, everyone like Hush is universally one of the great Batman storylines. And and I think Hush's Hush's storyline through the comics is very interesting. There's actually in uh, in uh, the the return of Bruce Wayne after uh, Batman dies in uh, Final Crisis. And then you find out Bruce Wayne isn't actually dead, that the Omega sanctions sits him back in time and all this. Um, Tommy Elliott actually does get reconstructive surgery to be made to look like Bruce Wayne the same way, uh, sim- in a similar way that Alice made him look like Bruce Wayne. So that was a fun, fun kind of, kind of storyline to see for a couple episodes. Uh, but now that there's an, we have an actor who played Tommy wearing Bruce's face. Does that mean we're going to get Bruce? I mean, they've already shown us what Bruce looks like. We have a face to the man. Uh, and that usually like in Supergirl, that meant we got more Clark Kent, more Superman. Uh, yeah. Does that mean that Batman might come back in Batwoman? That's uh so we can have like a sixth Batman floating around out there or something. Yeah. Well, that depends if you're counting active Batman or active and retired Batman. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's, there's like eight jokers. So, <laughs> so confusing. Uh, yeah. But regardless, so that is, that's, that's my feelings on the show, but let's get a little bit into the background of Batwoman. And I'm going to very briefly go over, uh, uh, Kate's background, but she's so she's basically been around since 1956 originally as Kathy Kane. Uh, but she, you know, she was around for uh, 20 plus years uh, in 1979. She presumably died. Uh, I and this is where, you know, I'm sorry, my my Batwoman knowledge is a little bit lacking. Uh, I don't think she resurfaced again until the 2009 uh Greg Rucka storyline in in uh, Detective 854 uh, through 857, uh, but that kind of reintroduced Kate Kane and her big storyline, which in in throughout like the the 2010s was the religion of crime and you know them having this prophecy about her who uh, calling her the uh, the twice named daughter of Kane, where like instead of K-A-N-E, they thought of her name as C-A-I-N. So like twice named I mean two first names, which was also a thing for Tommy Elliott and Bruce Wayne, who have first names for last names as well. So, you know, this idea of like the twice named and like, you know, her and uh, I guess the the amount the uh, the analog for Sophie in the comics was Renee Montoya, who took over as the question uh, after, after the original question died, but, uh, but you've been looking at, at who Ryan Wilder is partially to spare me from some spoilers. Cause I have not yet, uh, gotten through Joker war and Ryan appears in bat and Batgirl number 50, which is the final issue of Joker war. And so you 
protected me from spoilers. So I appreciate that. And why don't you let us know about what you found out about Ryan? Well, spoiler, I don't think issue 50 has that much to do with Joker War, to be honest. Oh, and I forgot to mention, yeah, that, that <laughs> the season one kind of tracks pretty pretty well with uh, with the Greg Rucka uh, storyline. It's kind of the, the bones of it with, you know, the writers of season one adding more more flesh to the to the story. But anyway, Ryan Wilder. Yeah. So I'm going to spend more time telling you who Ryan Wilder is than it's going to take you to read the exact one page that Ryan Wilder appears in the comic. So um, despite the fact that it's, you know, um, issue 50 of Batgirl, uh, which is written by Cecil Castellucci with art by Emanuela Lupacino, it is a giant-sized final issue of a series that originated in the DC Rebirth relaunches um, back in 2016. And Ryan Wilder is one page in this um, giant-sized final issue that includes like a weird, like, like weird cerebral bat girl getting in her own head section and then like another weird like dungeons and dragons section so i'm not sure that any of that has anything to do with joker war um but that's that's apparently the last issue of joker war um i'm trying to not pay attention to anything you just said so as not to have any it's not a spoiler spoilers. i promise <laughs> um so when we meet ryan wilder it's actually as barbara batgirl is coming back from a, a protest uh seemingly about the gentrification of gotham when she overhears some kind of kerfuffle between her boyfriend jason bard and ryan wilder so just like the show ryan wilder is homeless she's living in a van um and according to barbara who basically tells ryan's whole backstory herself um according to barbara her backstory is that ryan used to hole up in the library that barbara worked at when she was younger and read through everything even taking barbara's coding class so she um has some weird nickname for her that's like oh hey woman with so much potential or something there was like this weird little way that they acknowledged each other um so Ryan complains about the inequality in the system, leaving uh, leading Barbara to defend her position as an aide to Congresswoman Luciana Alejo. Um, and then Ryan makes some snarky comment about how she would vote, but she doesn't have a permanent address. And that's pretty much the end of the scene. A lot of source material there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess I guess they're going to be uh, the the show is going to kind of be pioneering uh, Ryan's story. Rather than the, cool. the comics, yeah. yeah, there's there's no baggage there, which is awesome. Um, and and the writers, <laughs> um, despite what I think of them, um, you know, have the license to come up with something entirely new. So I think that's that's a really awesome opportunity. Yeah. So we have a section that, if you've listened to the podcast before, whenever we talk about. TV shows or movies, we have Kim's Rant Corner, <laughs> where where Kim has gone out into the internet and looked up criticisms of whatever we are talking about. And it's my job. Even if the critics agree with her, she will tear them apart because Kim does not like critics. And so with that setup, I give you. The critical reaction to season one versus the critical reaction to season two. Kim, do you have any thoughts? (laughs) I do. I have lots of thoughts. So let's be honest. The show, I'm not hiding this at all. The show 
in its entirety got off on the wrong foot. Um, professional and amateur critics alike ripped apart season one on social media, like completely tore it to shreds. A lot of the reviews, which I've read a significant amount of, you're welcome, um, are frankly dumb. They're dumb. Um, an overwhelming comment section on the internet is where humanity goes to die. <laughs> but it is humanity. That's the unfortunate that like these are living, breathing people who typed these things on a keyboard, who took the time to watch at least one episode and and felt the need to to write things on the internet. So I, I you know, what whether the quality of of that output is good or not, I read it all. Um. So but, what was it? So just going to say an overwhelming number of the reviews are <laughs> inarticulate. Um, some of Not them surprising. are, yeah, some of them are just plain wrong. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but here are the complaints. Here's what I agree with. The writing was bad. The acting was bad. Yes. Season one was really rough to get through. Um and I did think the writing was bad. I did I thought, think the actors did the best they could with a really bad script. Which is why I don't necessarily agree that the acting was bad. I don't think the acting was bad. Uh, I think, like I said, I thought I thought Nicole Kang was great. Uh, she had the second half of season one. I think even in the first half of season one, I thought she was fun. She's a very fun character. She seemed like she was having fun being Mary Hamilton and doing her own kind of double life. Uh, and, and even when she was being Dr. Mary, she, you could still see like, she was like, oh, there's a little bit of like party Mary still there. Okay. I'm not going to completely disagree with you. Cause you know what, as much as I'm rooting for Javicia Leslie this season and I want her to succeed and, and I am, am watching critical reaction closely, um, I did think that there was something incredibly charming about Ruby Rose. And I, I honestly thought that the comments about Ruby Rose um, were just just off the mark. I, I thought she... I thought she, she had great reactions to things. She, like her, her facial reactions her facial were reactions some of the best. As, as a model, um, she is she has a... That's true. I didn't think about that. Incredible control of her face. And, and I really appreciated it. And I think there's a, like, you know, when the scene called for warmth and understanding, like some of the scenes between her and Jacob and some of the scenes between her and Beth, you know, when it called for warmth and understanding, I think she executed that really, really well. I think when she was flirty, she executed that really well. I think when she was intense, she executed that really well. There's a dynamism to her face that I really, really enjoyed watching mm -hmm. in season one. Some of the acting I thought was bad, but I, as far as Ruby Rose was concerned, I, I thought she was great. I also, just rounding out who I particularly liked, I also very much, I, I liked Camus Johnson as Luke Fox. Like Nicole Kang, he had a very good range with Luke, where, you know, Luke is being nerdy or cagey or trying to keep Kate's secret after Mary finds out or being upset about, frankly, being being given the runaround about who really killed his dad. Uh, I thought that I thought that he did a, a really good job kind of filling that role, but also also portraying this character of of he's supposed to fill these big shoes and he doesn't exactly know how, but he knows that he needs to fill them. And I thought I just I thought his his performance was really good. Um I thought that 
uh, and again, we'll we'll get into this in a bit. But some of the writing for him at the beginning of season two was a little sloppy, not his acting. I think the writing. So, uh, so yeah. So that and and we're about to bleed into into another point that uh, that we want to talk about, which one which some of the reviews was the logic was bad. And I want to jump in on that because I find, see, I, I don't know if it's I found or I find, I think it's I, I still find the logic of the show being very weird. Alice wanted to be, and I understand that Alice is supposed to be pretty unhinged, but Alice wanted to be recognized by Jacob and Kate. Then Alice hated Kate. Then she just wanted to reconcile with Kate then she wanted to kill Kate and then when Kate died she wanted to take revenge for Sophia allegedly killing Kate and so it's what is it what is it Alice you have to have some sort of consistency you have to have something otherwise otherwise like why you know otherwise you're just the Joker you have no consistency you're just chaos okay cool so like gloves are off then you know but like why I just didn't get that whole convoluted mess yeah I mean, okay, overarching superhero logic for me is just always whack. Like, I'm sorry. I think I think the fact of the matter is that some people forgive it if they like the story and they like the character enough, and I guess that's just not the case with Batwoman. Yeah, you have to buy into magical exceptions and things like why aren't their uniforms getting ripped up and if they're leaving, like, if they're getting punched all the time and bleeding from their mouth. Why isn't anyone collecting DNA from where they were and finding out who they are that way? You know, you've got to kind of like get past that kind of stuff to, to like superheroes. And yeah, I think it's, I think you have to buy into the story enough. And if the story isn't written well enough, then like the underlying logic starts to fall apart. So here's another criticism that I very much disagree with. A lot of people said that the choreography was bad I don't know who these, like, MMA fighters out there are that are commenting on these, like, forums and stuff, but I do not agree with this. I actually thought the fight choreography was one of Batwoman's redeeming qualities, very few redeeming qualities. So she was doing some hardcore fighting, and when you compare it to shows like The Flash, and remember, I am a huge fan of The Flash, um... But The Flash uses a lot of silly CGI when he encounters a villain. That's just part of his character yeah, gotta show the speed force yeah uh, and the same with the legends on legends of tomorrow lots of silly lots of the atom changing his suit or, yeah, like, yeah. or flying around yeah so i actually can't even remember the last time they even had a proper fight scene on that show mm-hmm. um so it was actually really refreshing to see ruby's physicality which eventually cost her her own health because if you remember ruby rose broke her neck um, pretty severely uh, doing a stunt on the show. So that shows commitment on her part. And that's also testament to how hardcore this choreo was. And I do appreciate when I watch the fight scenes, you know, the athleticism that on, on behalf of the, the stunt yeah, people just, and, and Ruby herself, it's, it's incredible. Just knowing for decades, how seriously they take safety on, on show sets. The fact that, something was so intense that Ruby Rose injured herself almost permanently. Yeah. Uh, just shows you that, you know, this whole, the choreography is bad. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, you know, it like, just wasn't. Like I said, I, I don't know what you're comparing it to. I don't know what, like, 
I don't know, like MMA fights you've you've been in or like what wrestling matches you're like comparing it to. I or I don't know, like if you're expecting some sort of martial art, you know, from this woman who yeah, doesn't I mean, really uh, know martial are, arts. Are they are they like looking for like the like you know Ben Affleck Batman fights? Like I don't understand like what they're looking for. Like so yeah, if you think the choreography is bad, like. Hit us up on social. Let me know exactly what you think it's bad compared to. Yeah, and what's bad about it? I mean, it looked, I mean, the choreo didn't look, you know, much, in essence, much different than than fights on Arrow, except no arrows. Yeah. So it's, it's, she has no, like, well, she has the battering, but she yeah, uses she, very I mean, few she doesn't, like, projectile uh, weapons. Like the two non superpowered heroes in the, in the Arrowverse, I mean, the the choreo looked like what I would expect from from Batwoman, from Arrow, from whatever. So I, I, it's just yeah, it's a weird weird criticism. Are you ready to talk hair? Oh, you people at home maybe don't know what I look like, but I'm always ready to talk hair. <laughs> um, so another critique uh, on the internet was that the wig, the season one Ruby Rose wig, which currently Ryan Wilder is wearing. Oh, not since the end of the last episode. Oh, not since the end of the last episode. Spoiler. Um, but she did get she, she did get um a, a wig that she felt more comfortable in. But she was for a little while there sporting the same Ruby Rose wig that got a lot of flack. Um, but a lot of people are saying the wig is bad. My my thing is that she does have long red hair in the comics. I don't know what you expected. Would, did you want a different shade of red? Like, did you have a Pantone color in mind um, that you thought was more appropriate? Um, I, I Or is it honestly, again, like, don't get offended, Internet, but, like, was it that you demand comic book accuracy but realize you don't actually want it when you see it? And, I mean, not only is it does she have long red hair in the comics – it's not like Ruby Rose just didn't grow her hair out. It's a wig in the comics. Yeah. It's a wig attached to a cowl. I'm not sure what kind of flowy locks people expected. Uh, I I feel like it would not seem realistic if she's there, like, styling fake hair before every mission. Uh, so I, just the wig is bad? Like, come on. Well, the wig gets come replaced on. this season. This one's interesting. The criticism that Batwoman let too many criminals go. So it's interesting because I was thinking about this when we watched episode two of season two and and basically like Ryan call like set like she's she's calling bull on the fact that they let Alice get away so much. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me think of the other villains. And there and it made me realize there's no rando villain like there is in the flash. Like a rando villain who comes in for one episode and then you like fight Yeah, like them. a weather wizard yeah. or you, trickster or anything like you that. You fight them and then you put them away afterwards and, and it's done. It's nice, clean, wrapped up. It's every villain so far that they've presented us with has like some weird like connection with somebody else. And that somehow makes them above being captured. There is some, there's some like element of like like nepotism or something there that's like oh, pre- yeah. preventing I'm... Batwoman or whoever's in that role from 
permanently putting away a villain. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's either, you're right. There's it's like, either, a, like a backstory with every villain, and it's it's a little... It's either your sister or somebody you had a weird connection with, or like... Or it's a teenager that you feel, a teenage, a, that you feel like, you that, know, kind of like a, um, like a parental feeling toward... Yeah. Or it's even even in season two, Ryan knew Victor Zaz. Yeah, it's, and it's, like went and had a conversation with him because she knew him. But it, it's it yeah, it's just like very. And I like think Gotham I miss, feels more like a like like a smaller city like San Diego than it does like New York. You know. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that that's what audiences are missing. I think there's you know you watch these shows for the satisfaction of good guy defeats bad guy, bad guy gets put away or suffers consequences yeah and it that that's just not happening we we watched 20 episodes a whole season of that not happen i think we we need that satisfaction of the villain gets pushed like you know that there is a very clear villain it Mm -hmm. uh, you know because they capture turtle they put him in the pipeline at star labs and everyone goes out for ice cream and talks about what they learned at the end of the episode you know like there's something to be said for for that kind of an episode. And I understand if you want to do something different, but you know, it can't be all of one big overarching thing because it, it just, it gets messy. Yeah. So here's a dumb one. Here's one oh, that lay just it on me. filled me with lay rage. It on me. I'm and ready I, for some bad takes. Like very few things get me to the point where I like, click on a reviewer's profile just so I can figure out who they are because oh, I need no. to know. I just need to know what, what kind created you of idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry, like what kind of idiot like put this on the internet. Um but so people seem to think, a lot of people seem to think that Batwoman seems to be dragging Batman. Dragging and- Batman? Like Dragging, dragging, as in like offending. No, I get, I get what dragging means, but like how? Wait, wait, and then one reviewer where I'm like, I need to know who you are because I, like, can I delete a comment from the internet for just being plain old wrong? Like somebody says, clearly the answer is no. no. But one reviewer says no reference to Batman. What? Huh? They reference him at least five times an episode. They say like. It, at minute 14 of episode seven of season one, like, sure, maybe there was no Batman reference in that 60 seconds, but like, they're at Wayne Enterprises. I think... They use the Batcave. Martha Wayne's pearls are how you get into the Batcave. Like, what? Uh... My cousin Batman might as well be the name of the entire first season. <laughs> like, that's literally uh, every word that came out of like Kate's mouth was my cousin Batman to the point where yeah. I think I think they mentioned him too much, honestly. But like I am actually And even when Kate wasn't mentioning him, Luke was mentioning his dad, Lucius, who worked with Batman. Yeah. So I, I'm actually appalled that Batman fanboys are interpreting Batwoman as a personal attack on their beloved character. We even got the face of Bruce Wayne I, at the end of season one and the beginning of season two. We got Tommy impersonating him. So a lot of people are saying that she's replacing Batman. How? How? We have four Batmen right now. This is um, this is when Kim goes deep into the internet to find to find bad takes. Yeah. So here here's a funny one because you know my thoughts on this and just fandom in general. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people, <clears throat> men, um, thought that Batwoman was politically preachy. 
So I'm... Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> not sure what this means. This one. I hope it doesn't mean what I think it means. Um, but this is the internet. So I'm assuming that the mere presence of lesbians indicates some kind of political agenda, in which case, I roll. Yeah, it... it absolutely means what you think it means um i mean i'm sure people like the folks that are doing this criticism are probably focusing on the episode where sophie comes out to her mom or the fact that there are what i think four lesbian characters at any one time in the show which i mean really come on you don't think there are four lgbtq people in one city at any given time (laughs) like and and the fact that oh they're all you know they all are in like like scenes with each other it's like I mean, no one ever cares that there's four straight people in a scene together like uh, come on like yes. give me a break give me a break 100%. and also like two of them are Kate's exes so yeah they're lesbians I mean what like come on let, let, can we please be done with the ew gay people attitude like it's just it's so played out here's an agreeable one uh, agreeable critique luke while likable um is the stereotypical guy in a chair <sighs> sigh yeah i mean he is so he is we've had we've had many luke's before i it's mean tough i have to avoid especially in batman storylines like it's either lucius fox like in the show his son uh or alfred you know which is why, like, adding, like, a Nightwing or a Robin makes things pick pick up a bit more. But, like, I mean, it's, you know. I, I do think that maybe, like, these CW shows, you know, if they're, they get accused of being a little templated. Um, and and I do I do see that. And I do think that, that you know, which is why I, I loved when Arsenal joined forces with Arrow, finally, and he got his, his Robin to his to his Batman, um, because like the the dude in the chair thing. I mean, I immediately when I saw Luke and a couple episodes into just getting to know Luke, he's Felicity, but a dude. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't really argue with that one. That was no, legitimate. I mean, it, the only thing you can do is poke fun at it the way the way they do with Ned in the Spider Man movies, where he's like guy in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> and just like really embrace the trope. Yeah, you know? I really I do I do think that like he would benefit from sort of like breaking the fourth wall there and just, you know. But yeah, yeah, he was a bit of a Being like yeah. I'm the guy in the chair, what can I say? Very Felicity. And I thought like the early seasons where Felicity wasn't directly involved all the time was were some of the better uh stories, you know? So it's Yeah. So Donald. Ooh, we're getting someone I, called I, out. By I did. Name. I called out someone's name. Ooh, um, Donald this must be a good one. Says Ruby Rose is too skinny and oh, would Jesus. prefer to see a Gina Carano. Cough, problematic. Um, or a Ronda Rousey. Like as Batwoman. As Batwoman. Because because they he thinks Ruby Rose is too skinny. Too skinny. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> So listen, I I love I love girls with muscles, um, but with all due respect, screw you, Donald, screw you for judging women's bodies. Just you're yeah, just not. I mean, you shouldn't. You just shouldn't. I mean, I'm not even gonna like wait on that because it's not worth worth saying anything about. It except it's a 
it's a weak argument. It was weak when people used it in a different way to cri- criticize Grant Gustin as the Flash. It's weak here. It's just it's all right. Let let's not even devote any more time to that one. That's that's dumb. Yeah. Um, as you promised, dumb takes. <laughs> some of these are dumb takes. So some of them, I I tried to like pick out some that were legitimate. So this is interesting, and I kind of agree. Uh, they deviated from the source source material in a way that it took away Kate's backstory. So we, Kate is kind of floating <laughs> um, as a character and just comes upon the suit and becomes Batwoman. And unfortunately, the same thing happens with Ryan Wilder. Yeah, and that's that's a, an issue that I have is we've started two seasons of this show now out of two seasons of this show with Luke saying the person who's in the suit does not deserve the suit. So I, now that they've been picked up for season three, I'm very excited to see who doesn't deserve the suit next season. <laughs> is it going to be Mary? Is it going to be Alice? Is it Luke? Does Luke put on the suit and go, I don't, des-? does he stand in the mirror and go, I don't deserve At this? At this point though, Mary has put in the work. So if she does feel like putting on the suit, we have seen her growth from We've like. Seen growth. We haven't seen like any kind of like, fighting abilities so like i think it's enough but of a stretch that ryan not... can put on the suit and like sure okay she has like some martial arts training so i'll i'll yeah. buy that and they do show her being really bad at throwing batarangs which i felt very relatable i felt was very relatable so like but like i think mary put on the suit would be a little bit of a stretch but like really we're gonna start two seasons of the show with luke saying the same thing to the person wearing the suit you didn't you don't deserve this you didn't earn it you don't have blank's legacy I mean, it like that was a bit of the sloppy writing. Like, I understand that that, yes, it made sense both times. But like at some point, Luke had to stand there and say to himself, did I say this last year to a (laughs) different person? Luke Fox, you don't think anyone deserves anything. (laughs) You know, like like it was just, you know, that was just like the writing thing. Um, Like someone just picked up a a season one script and we're like, all right, just cross out all the Kate's and write in Ryan and cross out all the Bruce's and write in Kate. Which was a legitimate... And go. So that was a legitimate critique of season two, was that at least the first episode, a lot of people said it did sound like they were rewriting season one with a different person. Yeah, it's like, like, what if... What if we started this show not with Kate, but with Ryan? (laughs) Um, But exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, uh, yeah, it was just, it, I just felt like that was like a little, like not a, not a strong way to start season two. Yeah. Writing wise. So now that we've discussed that, what were your thoughts on, let's kind of back in and what were your thoughts on season one? So for me, season one took a while to pick up. So if you were expecting to get the pants stunned off of you right off the bat, you'll have to wait. Oh, I see what you did Uh there. Um, You'll have to wait about 10 episodes, uh, which is unfortunately way too long for a lot of people. And I agree with that. I I, like we only made it past 10 episodes because we forced ourselves to watch past that. But if you are expecting to fall in love with the show, you know, in the first couple episodes, you know, maybe give, throw them a bone for episode one because episode one of any show kind of sucks. Like, the pilot always sucks. But, like, like it still takes a 
while for it to pick up. It takes a while for you to be invested in the characters. It takes a while for you to get a grip on the story. It's and also it, just, it, t- it took too long. Yeah, it's also uh, you know, Gotham was very confusing in season one. Yeah, and I think I think between the backdoor pilot with that Arrow episode where Barry and Oliver switched bodies and they had to go to Gotham. And that's where we first meet Ruby Rose, as you know, and Gotham is like this, like hellscape, like uh, crime infested. You know, you can't go out on the street without a gun or an armored car. But then they, you know, when the show actually takes over, there's the crows and there's districts and some districts are safe and some are not. And is the area around Wayne Tower safe or is it not? Or is it Central City and there's no, like, and everything's fine? Like, it was just very weird, like, sociopolitical setup yeah. to Gotham City. And it just felt very confusing. Like, when they needed, like, parts of Gotham to be super unsafe and you need to have the crows with you, then it was super unsafe. You need to have, But when it needed to be normal city and nothing extraordinary other than the scene that's happening then it was normal city and nothing it was just like very confusing yeah like you said earlier there was not great world building going on not at all here um i thought alice was the best part of season one i i've i've you know, I, I was excited to see her when she popped up in season two. Obviously, they weren't going to do away with her. I was just kind of waiting for her to come back. But if if anyone has anything nice to say about season one of Batwoman, it's that Rachel Scarston plays Alice masterfully. And I 100% agree with that. In fact, in this CW world of iconic character adjacent characters, Rachel Scarson as Alice is the live action TV Harley that I needed. Not the bland Harley that Fox's Gotham served up, which was so disappointing. I absolutely forgot that Harley was in Gotham. She was. Ooh. Um, I guess that's a, that kind of backs up your she, point. She was. She, I, she, I don't know if she had lines. I forgot what she did even. Um, but Harley was in Fox's Gotham and that sucked. Um, but I think, you know, the instant that I saw Alice and, and her like, sort of like wacky zany like slightly unhinged yeah. like personality i was like that's my harley yeah that's that's true uh, she would make a really good harley she would be a fantastic harley so props to her i think she really kept me watching honestly like through season one and the scenes with her rachel scarson and ruby rose together being sisters and i know that that relationship was weird for you i know that like you know you you love her, you hate her, you want to kill her, you want to reconcile with her. Confusing. Like, despite the fact that they were given really bad material to work with, I think the two of them had a really great sisterly chemistry that was believable. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I yeah, lo- we got a I little like bit that. of that after <laughs> after a crisis uh, when when the um the real Beth the, the well oh, the, the other, other the other Earth Beth. Uh, the not Earth One Beth, uh, which she played so well. Yeah. Oh, to to flip that switch from like crazy to like this like very like like level headed like tempered like almost yeah, just like hey, Kate, are we meeting per- up for coffee? Yeah, this like cuddly yeah. person is just it's so insanely good. She is so so talented. So again, like 
screw the haters that are like the acting was bad. Like, like Rachel Scarson was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's wrap this up. What were your final thoughts on Batwoman as a whole season two? Give it to me. So I, I'm torn. I am of two minds on this issue and I, and I keep waffling back and forth because part of me wants to say like maybe Batwoman should have been rebooted entirely. I can imagine like that season two having inherited all this baggage from season one is really hard for a newbie to follow. I think honestly the news about Javicia Leslie joining the cast um, as Batwoman drew in new viewers. And if you're a new viewer and you're stepping into this show and this show is trying to to keep continuity with season one and and the the messiness and the the confusingness um, of season one um, and you're not invested in these characters and you're not invested in the canes and you're not invested in Sophie without the background. It's just it's it's a it's a mess to step into for the first time so i so that's why i think like maybe they should have just rebooted it entirely like wipe the slate clean like no canes no nothing and start with ryan wilder's story and the sky's the limit with ryan wilder you can have all new villains you can have an uh, all new trajectory and all new people to, to a whole new world to build um, so that is maybe what I wish they had done, but I mean, it, it was the Ruby Rose's kind of unexpected departure that caused all this. So that, so, you know, they weren't obviously weren't prepared. Uh, and I, I totally understand that it was an unexpected departure. Um, but like, I mean, nothing against Ruby Rose for leaving. I mean, if you're not, it, you know, if, if there's, you know, if you feel like you can't, or don't want to do a job, then, you know, you shouldn't do it. Like, I'm not saying like, she should have stayed. What's wrong with it? I'm not, you know, blaming her at all. I'm just saying like, it's just a situation that, you know, kind of threw everything. Yeah. But from the viewer's perspective, I think the, the show would have benefited from a, from a full reboot. Just, you know, I could totally see that call, call season one, kind of put it in a little silo and probably would have been easier if, if this had all happened around the time of crisis. Yeah. Because then they could have just oh my completely God, yes. thrown everything out the window. That would have been perfect. That would have been absolutely perfect if they timed this to crisis and crisis just reset everything and Javicia Leslie gets to start anew as Ryan Wilder as Batwoman. Yes. Um, that would have been amazing. But my other thought on this is, and this is even more dramatic than than that, which is maybe this just wasn't the right character for DC to bring to life on the CW. I mean, how do you make Batwoman without making Arrow all over again? I mean, Arrow was a vehicle for a lot of Batman storylines in yeah. its early seasons. So, I mean, complete with a life-changing island and a guy in a chair with glasses and a sticky family history. I mean, the story was told before, and it was told more poetically. And so... I just, again, that, and that probably reinforces my first argument, which is maybe you should have rebooted the show mm -hmm. and just reconcepted the show because the unfortunate truth of the matter is, is that Batwoman and her source material is too close to what you already did with the Arrow TV show. Yeah. So 
so that's that's kind of my thought on this is that this probably should have just been a full reboot you have a new character with no baggage attached to her um that you could have really explored and played with and created a whole new world and built it from scratch and not have a lot of you know again it's just a lot of it's baggage on top of baggage because season one batwoman had the baggage of batman and then season two batwoman has the baggage of season one which has the baggage of batman so it's 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 very it, it it's it's very messy and it's very messy for new viewers to step into and so they had an opportunity to attract new viewers and hold their attention and they didn't well let us know what you guys think uh thank you for listening remember to subscribe rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts you can tell us what you thought of batwoman season one batwoman season two where we're right where we might be wrong on twitter at geek prime x on instagram at geek.prime on facebook and youtube and you can read features and articles anytime at geek-prime.com <laughs>